When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Well, a very frightening post on Instagram a couple of hours ago posted by Dan O'Toole, co-host of the very popular SC with Jay and Dan on TSN every night. I'll read you what O'Toole wrote, and I will add, I I have not seen anything else uh, about this. There have not been any further posts from Dan or TSN on Instagram or Twitter. I've not seen anything about uh, police involvement in this, but, uh, you know, given that Dan is a well-known sports personality, I will read what he posted along with a black and white photo of his baby. Here's what Dan wrote. My baby Oakland, I'm praying that whoever has you is holding you, that whoever has taken you from me is protecting you, that whoever has you lets you come back into my arms. I love you, Oakland. I can't wait to one day hold you again. My heart is broken. I am broken. To be clear, Oakland is alive, we think, but we don't know. I have a one-month-old child, and I don't know where she is. So that's the post written on Instagram by TSN's Dan O'Toole a couple of hours ago. And uh, again, I've not seen anything else on this from uh, from Dan or any of the uh, uh, authorities uh, where Dan lives in the greater Toronto area. So we will keep an eye on that and obviously wish Dan and his loved ones and baby Oakland all the best and, uh, and a safe resolution to what whatever is happening in this situation. So yeah, tough, uh, tough to read that. And again, I'm, I'm not presenting anything than the, more than what Dan wrote, because I really don't know anything else other than what Dan wrote, but uh, hopefully everything works out for the best. Thank you very much for tuning in tonight. It is inside sports on Oilers and Eskimos radio, Six Thirty. Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Your participation in the show is welcome. You can call or text 780-496-0063. So the NHL hub cities, Not yet officially announced, but we're looking at Edmonton and Toronto and also reported today that Edmonton would be the site for the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. So how cool is that? Rogers Place would get all five rounds of the postseason tournament. I'm including the best of five qualifying round as the the first round in that. So Toronto would get the qualifying round, rounds one and two, and then the uh, all four teams competing to be conference champions would convene in Edmonton, and then the two winners would play for the Stanley Cup. It has been a while since the Stanley Cup was last awarded in the city of Edmonton. You have to go all the way back to May 26, 1988, Edmonton beating Boston 6-3. The Oilers won their fourth Stanley Cup that night. The last time the Stanley Cup was awarded on Canadian soil, it was won by the Boston Bruins on June 15th, 2011. Boston shutting out Vancouver 4-0 in Game 7 of their Best of 7 series. And the last time a Canadian team lifted the Stanley Cup on Canadian soil was the Montreal Canadiens. And of course, this being also the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup. June 9th, 1993 at the old Montreal Forum. 
The Canadians, led by Patrick Waugh, beat Wayne Gretzky and the Los Angeles Kings 4-1. They won the series four games to one. And yes, that's the uh, last time a Canadian team won the Cup. And not a lot of Canadian teams have played for it in the 27 years since then. I mean, obviously we had Edmonton in 06, Calgary in 04, Ottawa in 07. Uh, as I mentioned, Vancouver lost the Stanley Cup final in uh, in 2011. So it would be it would be uh, pretty incredible to see Edmonton win it in Edmonton. And but anyway, the cup, uh, the way it's looking now, would indeed be presented on Canadian soil. Okay, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We do have a few things to get through here. Rob Brown's going to check in tonight. He and I looking forward to hopefully in the next uh, I don't know four to six weeks, perhaps hosting some overtime open line after Oilers postseason games. We'll also catch up with Richard Zokel tonight, former PGA Tour golfer. He's always fun to have on the show. And Jed Roberts will join us a bit later on. So here's, uh, I want to go through a few things here about this uh, about this story. Uh, first of all, Dina Hinshaw, Chief Medical Officer of Health in Alberta, commenting this afternoon on her last conversations with the NHL. I was part of a conversation um I believe it was last week, uh, discussing different aspects of potential return to play protocols. Uh, so it's not, I don't feel like I've been left out of the loop. I, be, I believe I've had an opportunity to provide input. And several months ago, we did put together return to play safe guidelines from a proactive perspective here in Alberta with respect to the kinds of things that would be needed in order to protect players, protect the other people around the team and protect the public. And uh, I've been able to share that protocol and it's been well received. So again, I, I feel like the conversations have been uh, very productive so far. All right. So that is from uh, Dina Hinshaw, who uh, obviously, you know, has been asked a lot of questions about the NHL coming to Edmonton. Adam Lachlan is the interim city manager for the city of Edmonton. He was asked today about the Hub City possibility. We've been in regular discussion with uh, uh, the Oilers Entertainment Group about this. Uh, Back when the original submissions were required to the NHL, uh, we were engaged in discussions with them about uh, different facilities that could be used to support their efforts. And uh, we even had a conversation at council at one point, uh, sorry, the Emergency Advisory Committee at one point, and confirmed... um, uh, an understanding from from council around uh, our participation in this uh, still pretty fluid uh, Dan uh, still working through the details on that what what we do know is that uh, uh, Twilliger is a preferred location uh, because of, of what can it, what it can offer in terms of four continuous pads uh, but we we haven't ironed out the details and that's something that our our folks uh, myself and others in the organization are continuing to do with the Oilers entertainment group All right, so there you have it. A total of six ice sheets to be used in Edmonton. Rogers Place, the downtown community arena, and the four sheets at the Terwilliger Rec Center. So there would be busing involved, but the other two ice surfaces, Rogers Place and the downtown community rink inside the bubble. And I would think there would be a a secondary bubble created at Terwilliger to get the players in and out of there safely and to, uh, to keep it clean and to not have any contact outside of uh, outside the team personnel. So that's what we're looking at there. You know, again, if you're just tuning in, this, this has yet to be formally announced as, uh, as we've talked about on past shows, Bob talking about today, on uh, on Oilers now 
that there are still votes going on, that this is tied into uh, a CBA extension and that all that has to be worked out as well. So there, I, I don't know when it's going to be. I mean, every show I've come on for the last week and said, well, I think it's going to be the next show when it's official <laughs> and it keeps going. But, you know, uh, obviously a lot of information is trickling out. There's a lot of speculation. Certainly, you know, Bob McKenzie, a very trusted figure in the hockey world has reported on uh, a lot of this. I mean, he did say earlier today, it's quite possible if all continues to go well in their talks, the NHL and the PA will finalize and announce they've reached a tentative deal on phases three and four return to play. Also a CBA extension transition rules and a critical dates calendar. And that's one thing we've, uh, we've speculated that there could be a Stanley cup final ending sometime in October, perhaps free agency is uh, at the start of November. And then they eventually transition into the next season, maybe in December, maybe not even till January 1st. John Shannon mentioned that on the show the other night. Andrew Cogliano, former member of the Edmonton Oilers, now plays for the Dallas Stars. Uh, he joined Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now earlier today and had this to say about the hubs being Edmonton and Toronto. I think that's exciting. I think it's something that uh, I know as a player I'm, I'm definitely really um, happy about. You know, I, I don't think... I don't think there's two better places to have this, to, to be honest, than Edmonton and Toronto. I think having it in Canada is um, is not only going to be great for us as players, but also great for the cities and and um, and great for the country with everything that's going on. So um, I know the people in Canada and definitely know the people in Edmonton, and, and um, I'm happy for them because I think... Um, this will showcase their city and so will Toronto and we'll get an opportunity to play in front of people that um, people and fans and, and, and cities that really appreciate hockey, which is great. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Cogliano knows that there, there would not be uh, fans in the building. I mean, I suppose we could say maybe if the playoffs went on, but I, I wouldn't even necessarily bank on that. So, but uh, there, there would certainly be a vibe in a Canadian city uh, with games being there and athletes being there, even if uh, fans couldn't go to the stands, mm-hmm. and uh, there would certainly be, I think, some other benefits uh, as well. I, I mean, I do, I, I don't. The, the province and the city wouldn't be behind this if there wasn't some kind of other benefits for the city of Edmonton and the province of Alberta. So I think we have to keep that in mind as well. Cogliano commenting to Bob on player safety being a priority. I do believe that we should be in the safest areas to, to have this go through um i was my kind of point was you know if we could go to the two safest or narrow down where the safest places are and and have this so we could go there and really focus on hockey i think that was kind of my perspective and um and like i said with being a little bit biased in terms of knowing how important and how energetic the cities would be um you know i thought playing in canada was our best scenario All right. And Andrew Cogliano also, and he was talking to Bob about how when NHL players come to Edmonton, generally the weather is not great and there is not a lot of daylight a a lot of the times that they are coming to Edmonton. And this would showcase Edmonton uh, at a different time of year. And even though we have summer in Edmonton, summer in Edmonton is not as hot, not as muggy as a lot of other places uh, like Las Vegas. And Cogliano commented on that, too. That Edmonton, like really a lot of Canadian cities, uh, cities and all of them, they're they're beautiful places to be in the summer. So, um, you know, I think in Vegas, you know, I'm I'm obviously sure the the people for the ice would be going working overtime to make sure the ice was good. But I do think that was a concern, you know, for 
you know, when you're playing a lot of games in, in a certain amount of time and you're playing back-to-back, you know, it, the ice conditions really matter in terms of how your hips feel, how your groins feel. Um, you know, people take that for uh, for granted sometimes, but it really does matter. It, it, it creates another element in terms of how your body's going to feel when the ice isn't as good as it needs to be. So, you know, I think in Edmonton, just the weather in general is going to only help that scenario. And... You know, if I know how the people there are going to operate, it's going to be, you know, as much as they could possibly do um, to make that ice go well. So I like the idea of having the, the practice ring beside too. I think that's something that's pretty advantageous in my perspective because you could just walk across and you're in the practice ring as well and you're not really busting anywhere. So um, I think that was one thing that really helped their case too, which is which is good. All right, good perspective there from Andrew Cogliano of the Dallas Stars about why he thinks uh, Edmonton and Toronto, and obviously most of his comments there about Edmonton, would be good fits for hub cities. I know someone asked me about that last week, if the ice surface, uh, if the quality of the ice could be a deciding factor. And uh, no, I don't think it was a deciding factor. I I think, uh, you know, the bubble and the COVID cases and the accommodations and all those types of things were above that. But I think Cogliano made a good point. In Edmonton, you get an added bonus of there being pretty good ice conditions. It it might be hot out. It's not going to be as hot as Vegas and a lot of other places. And if that keeps the ice in a little better shape, keeps the players in a little better shape as well. Okay, 780-496-0063 to call or text. Quick timeout on Inside Sports. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. So the uh, latest on the hubs, we're looking at very likely Edmonton and Toronto, the NHL and the NHLPA working to finalize the deal on returning to play, a CBA extension, transition rules, a calendar for some of the key off-season dates along the way. Then uh, the deal will still have to be ratified by the NHL Board of Governors and the full NHL PA membership. And the NHLPA would be voting on the entire package. This reported by TSN's Bob McKenzie. So this still could take, I don't know, again, we, we sit here and say maybe tomorrow, but uh, maybe it happens on the weekend or or, uh, or takes a little bit longer. But, uh, I mean, look, Ed- Edmonton and Toronto, very, very, uh, it, it's it's as concrete as we've heard anything so far to this point. I think something highly uh, unusual would have to happen for the games to not be here. And obviously pretty cool that the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final would both be held in Edmonton. And wouldn't that be something if the Oilers could indeed advance? Uh, the pizza delivery guy. Pizza delivery guy, how is life? I am curious, have you been delivering more or less pizza during the pandemic? There has still been uh, food delivery, and because uh, a lot of people haven't been going out, I know I've seen a lot of uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter posts about getting food delivered. So I, pizza delivery guy, I wonder if you're still going full throttle. Let me know. He simply says, seeing the Leafs lose in Toronto would be grand. Well, could happen. This uh, Mike says, very important question. What logo will they have in the middle of the ice? <laughs> Mike, you're the second person to ask me that in the last couple of weeks. I don't know. They Maybe they just put the NHL logo. Um, maybe they have the Oilers logo just to showcase that it is indeed in Edmonton. I mean, I it makes sense to me, and this has gone back and forth throughout this process a couple of times. At first, it was going to be if you're a hub city, and remember at the very beginning, they were talking about maybe having four hub cities, that if you're a hub, you don't play at home. 
you go somewhere else. Then it was, well, no, maybe they'll stay at home. Then it was like, no, you'd go to the other city. And, and now over the last week or so, it's gone back to if, uh, if you're a host city, if you're a hub city, your team gets to play there, which makes the most sense to me. You might as well keep the, the Western teams in a Western time zone. The Eastern teams can be in the Eastern time zone. Uh, I don't think that there's really a home ice advantage for the Oilers. They will, there will not be fans in the rink which is, to me, one of the biggest home ice advantage. Okay, if the Oilers get to use their own dressing room, you know, fair enough. Maybe there'd have to be some equalization with access to to video equipment and other facilities. But, you know, I, I think that's pretty easy to work that out and make it pretty fair. I mean, what advantage would the Oilers have? perhaps using their own dressing room, I guess because they play in the rink 41 times, you know, maybe some of the subtleties and some of the bounces off the glass and the boards. I would think that opposition teams, the other 11 teams playing in Rogers place would learn those things pretty quickly. And for the actual home ice advantage of having last change, that would go the higher seed would get the last change in games one, two, five, and seven in a best of seven. And the, the lower seed would have it in games three, four, and six. So uh, to me, it makes sense to leave Edmonton and Toronto, whoever the hub hosts would have been where they are. And uh, if they get their own dressing room, fine, they get their own dressing room. I mean, the, the, the players aren't going to be staying at home. They're still going to have to stay within the bubble, within the hotel. So I, I, I don't think it's anything unfair. And look, you, they want to play. They, they, they want a place. So you're going to have to deal with some things like this. Uh, this texture says, uh, Reed, can I get my cardboard cutout in the stands? I think it would be a little easier for the players to play. I know it's a lot to ask, but at least fill up the stands with cardboard cutouts. It would look kind of nice. LOL. Well, we're, weren't the Oakland A's offering uh, cardboard cutouts? And haven't they done that? I think in Korean baseball, did the pre Cody, did the premier league have anything in the stands? I don't know what the Premier League they had. They had crowd noise, but I don't know if it was pumped in just on the TV broadcast or if they actually had it pumped into the stadium as well. Uh, yeah, Oakland A's, this is from June 30th. Oakland A's are selling fans cardboard cutouts of themselves to be placed around the stadium. If a foul ball hits your cutout during a game, they will send you the ball in the mail. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Both that. Hey, you could have caught this one, but we'll mail it to you. That's pretty cool. Rob Brown coming up after the news. Nothing like a little Weezer coming back from break. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Cody Jansen back at the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound. Now, Cody, I don't know if you know this. We have a, a thing here in Inside Sports. If a listener would like to hear a song coming back from break, we will do our best to play it. We prefer guitar rock. We usually play the first 20 or 30 seconds of the song and no naughty language at the beginning of the song. Can you handle that? If you have the text line, if people want to write anything in? Oh, yeah. Get those texts in. Now, you are of a, of a newer vintage than I am, I think we can say. Is that, that fair to say? I guess so. So probably there, there may be some bands that I have uh, an affection for that perhaps you would consider old-timey. Hey, I'm all in for your music list. I'm loving it. Oh, good. 
Oh, good. Well, Weezer's a little newer. Like if I were to mention a band like Def Leppard or Bon Jovi or Van Halen, would you have heard of those bands? Poison, Warrant, perhaps? Are you kidding me, Reed? Come on, of course. Oh, good. Very good. Very good. Well, this this is this is nice. I don't have to uh, completely educate you then. That's good. Just wait till I start quizzing you on the exact years that Def Leppard songs came out and the exact order of the songs on an album. That'll take it to another level. Could have some problems with that. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That's Cody Jetson back at the studio. And on the phone line, one of my best friends in the whole world, the one and only former NHLer, broadcaster extraordinaire, it is Rob Brown. Hey, Rob. Hey, Reed. How you doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you these days? Well, I'm sitting at my lake overlooking a nice calm lake right now, sitting in, I wouldn't call it sunshine, but a little bit of warmth out here right now, enjoying life. Now, see, when you say your lake, that makes me think that there is a Lake Rob Brown somewhere. <laughs> well, <laughs> I claim it as my own. I'm not sure everyone else here at the uh, the site agrees with me, but it's uh, this is my, my happy place. I'm in my happy place right now trying to ride out this pandemic. Good, 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 good. Any golfing? I have golfed quite a bit. Um, I Apparently, I have a lot of free time. Since March 13th, I've been unemployed 12 different ways, so I do have the time right now. So I have golfed, I've boated, I've played a lot of games, a lot of basketball with my son. I have a lot of family time right now in the Brown family. Now, I know you're a pretty good golfer, and because you have broken 70 a couple times, haven't you? I have. I have gotten lucky a couple times, yes. Well, I, I don't think it was lucky. How, how is your game this year? Uh, erratic. It's, uh, <laughs> there's one day I'm really good, and there's one day I'm really bad. I guess it depends, A, on who I'm playing against, and B, how many beers I've had. <laughs> That's, that's that's great. Well, and the great thing is about golf is if, if you're not having a good game, then you can just increase the beer consumption as you go because you're not going to set a record anyway. No, that's right. We call them swing doctors. They uh, they help our game. <laughs> uh, that is good stuff, buddy. Well, I'm gl- glad you're keeping busy. We're uh, we're talking more and more about hockey actually returning. And uh, Rob, this this whole process, and you and I deal with this. Oftentimes, uh, you know, on overtime open line and especially approaching the trade deadline, well, rumor this, rumor this. Like, you and I aren't huge fans of rumors or or too much speculation. Um, but, I mean, we're at the point here where we're uh, 99.99% sure it'll be at <laughs> Toronto. We're just waiting for uh, the league and the Players Association to formally announce it. Well, I mean, we, there's enough... Um insiders and we're talking insiders that really actually know what they're talking about that are now uh saying that it's it's edmonton and toronto and and it makes sense just uh, the 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 biggest concern for for the nhl is making sure that the players are safe and and in a a safe area where they can go and play hockey and not have to worry about uh putting themselves in jeopardy and uh, edmonton right from the beginning was that along with vancouver the two safest places uh vancouver obviously with their doctors have decided that they wanted to back off a little bit. So Edmonton's uh, the choice for, for hockey and for, for it starting up in a, in a safe, secure place. So uh, to me, it's exciting. Uh, there's still some things that got to be finished up with the collective bargaining agreement and the players uh, ratifying it. But uh, if it is ratified, it will be in Edmonton. And it's kind of exciting for, for the city. And it's exciting for anyone involved with hockey that eventually we're going to see hockey pretty soon. So uh, it's good. And 
uh, it's going to make for a very, very interesting August when all of a sudden we're watching Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, calendars obviously shifted a little bit, and then we we don't really know for sure when the the next year going to start. And Rob, I I will throw this at you, and this will probably be something you and I are going to be talking about, maybe for the next year or two, is how the overall hockey calendar could shift. John Shannon was on my show Tuesday night, and he said maybe not even January 1st until the start of the next season, and then that could condense the schedule for next year. I mean, I'm just speculating here, but maybe... You only play games within the Western Conference. You know, maybe you play, if Edmonton goes to L.A., they play L.A. two nights in a row, right, to cut down the traveling when it's going back. I mean, the, the, the full story of the fallout from this, to me, is probably going to take two or three years to be totally written. Well, the whole world is going to be two or three years before it's back to normal. And, I mean, obviously, sports is a very small part of what's going on in the world right now. But uh, when it comes to hockey, they... Eventually, when they get back to playing, they want to play with fans. You know, once this playoffs, the Stanley Cup championship is done, they, for, for the NHL, for the owners to make money, they have to have fans in the seats. And if you can't put fans in the seats in certain states or in certain provinces until whether there's a, a vaccine or there's a herd immunity or whatever they want to call it, and then it, maybe it's January, maybe it's February. But the NHL wants to have people in the stands when they start the next season. So it, it is going to be different. It's going to be weird. The Stanley Cup... Might be one year awarded in September, the next year awarded in July or August. But uh, the players and the owners and, and the league officials are going to try to do everything they can to make uh, to get it going. It and whatever they decide or, or figure out, uh, we the fans and the people involved are going to be just excited to be able to have hockey back. Do you think, because look, Vegas was obviously a front runner until the COVID cases just kept rising and rising. Do you think it would have been hard for players to to stay in the bubble? I mean, do you think guys still would have snuck out or or would have it been on the NHL to make sure that they're engaged enough inside the bubble? I mean, here in Edmonton, they've talked about having a golf course the players can go to, um, you know, maybe some sort of outdoor movies or or something like that. Like, it's going to be, everything is going to be so different, including how you spend your your downtime. Well, it would be easy to say, yes, everyone's going to stay in the bubble because they know the importance and the safety issues and, and the risks. Um, but in every large group, there's always idiots. Um, and there's, there's guys that are going to be stupid. And uh, whether it's Edmonton or, or, or Chicago or Vegas or Vancouver or Toronto, all it takes is one or two dummies to go to sneak out, say, oh, it's not that bad, let's sneak out. And if they catch coronavirus or if they get sick and they can bring it back, all of a sudden everyone's infected. I mean, a couple of years ago, it was in the Stanley Cup playoffs, there's a couple of guys... Uh, I can't remember, it was a Russian, a couple of Russians, I think it was Kostitsa, I can't remember. But they went out uh, the night before a game, they are spotted at 4 or 5 in the morning, the night before a playoff game. So there's always dummies that are going to do something. So I think there's, there's always that fear. I think for the majority, the, all athletes understand the importance of a, uh, being a good, part, good teammate. And I think now it's about being a good human, simply because the, the risks that are involved I don't think it makes a difference if you're in Vegas or if you're in Edmonton. Someone's going to be dumb, they're going to be dumb. But I think that the NHL realizes that what's going on in the United States, not just with with uh, the virus, but with everything else that's going on down there, it's scary down there right now. And I think this was the, the safest bet for the players. And 
uh, I commend the NHL for uh, making the choice that was right, not trying to make a choice that benefited them, that benefited TV ratings, that benefited whatever. They, they decided, you know what, let's put the player's safety at the forefront, and they did. And now we can start worrying about just playing hockey. Rob Brown joining us today on Inside Sports at 643. So, Rob, you know, the, the Players Association is, is going to have a vote here. Players have been involved in, in, a, in varying capacities along the way. I mean, Connor McDavid was on the uh, return to play committee that helped decide on the playoff format. So they're, they are participants in this. And, and the Players Association, you know, as we know in hockey, ha- has power, has say in what happens. Can you... T- tell me a little bit about that through the your, the course of your career. Did the PA, uh, you know, quite frankly, get stronger? Because I know there's a lot of players from around your generation who will tell me contract negotiations were sitting across the desk from the GM for three seconds and him saying, here's your contract, and you signed <laughs> it and left left the room, right? <laughs> well, it's true. Well, my, my first years in the NHL, Alan Eagleson was the head of our Players Association, and he was a jerk. Like he, he was he was on the side of the owners. He wasn't representing the players. And there's a number of stories. I believe he eventually went to jail. Uh, and he, there's all the stuff about what he did to Bobby Orr, how he uh, stole money out of Bobby Orr's pocket. And I mean, he's a guy that if you put up your hand and ask a question, if he didn't like the question, he would yell at you and tell you you're not good enough to be in the NHL. Sit, sit down and shut up. So uh, it's different now. They've got good leadership in the NHLPA. The players have a voice. Um, and it's important. I, I think that whatever is decided and it goes to a vote with the players, the, the players are going to ratify it. Having said that, there's still going to be some players that, I mean, you're watching in the other sports right now, the players that are opting out of coming back. There's been basketball players. There's been baseball players that said, you know what, uh, we're going to take our option and we're not going to finish the season for, for a number of reasons. I would not be surprised if, if a couple hockey players opt out. Um, I, I, I'm interested to see what the eventually what eventual decision on quarantine is. How long they have to be in quarantine? Are families involved? Because I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to a player deciding if he wants to come back and play. If he's got to be quarantined for 70 days away from his family, I, when I was when I was playing, I had twins, and my twins, my my daughter has autism, so I had a daughter with special needs. There was zero chance that I could be away from my kids for 70 days. I just I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't do it, and my wife couldn't. Uh, have me away for that long. So I think there's got to be something in there that allows players to see their kids. It'll be interesting to see when that comes out, what that is. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, Dr. Hinshaw commented on that about a week and a half ago, that if hypothetically families were here and then left the bubble, then they may not necessarily be allowed back into the bubble. Now, as we've seen, rules can change and be, uh, be loosened up along the way, but you're right. You, you wonder, what will happen with that along the way? Now, we should also mention, too, there's really only four teams that are going to be at this for a long... I mean, out of the 24 teams, Rob, 12 of them are going to be done in three weeks or three yep. and a half weeks, right? So yeah, those it, teams, it doesn't last a long time. No, it doesn't. But you just don't know the four teams that are going to the final four, right. how long they're going to be involved in, what their situation is with families. Uh, is there births in the family? Is there their deaths in the families, their illness. I mean, there's a lot of things that come into play. So I th- those are things that are going to have to be answered. And you've seen some players that have come out and talked about it and thrown out the fact that, you know, we've got to be able to see families. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, the one thing that I, I think as if I was a player going involved with this right now, I would be very happy 
about coming to Alberta because of Dr. Hinshaw. I think she's done a fabulous job. I think the decisions she's made have made Alberta a very safe place to be. And I would feel secure coming here more so than if I was going down to Vegas. I saw, I saw when they opened up, I saw the interview with the mayor of Las Vegas, and she is a gong show. So I think that uh, I would feel much more secure as a hockey player right now, knowing that you are going to be taken care of coming to a place that you can feel safe, secure, and your health is not going to be compromised. Just another little bit on being a member of the Players Association. Were you ever a team rep? And whether you were or not, what were your expectations from your team rep? Uh, I never was, no. Um, As a team rep, we we had meetings and we would discuss what we were happy with, what we were not happy with, what we needed uh, from the league. Uh, And our rep was always good. They would always make sure that they went with our questions, with our concerns, and came back and gave us the information that we needed. I know that I've talked to a few of the Oilers over this last three months, whatever, and they've said the same thing, that they're getting the information they need. And I think that's important. The worst is when, if you're well, if you're like you and I right now, that you're, we're getting rumors. We're getting people putting things out there in, in Twitter. And we're reading that and hoping that what we hear is true. As a player, you want to make sure you're getting the facts. And then you're able to make your decisions based on that. And from what I've seen over the last you know, 8, 10, 12 years, the, the NHLPA has gotten so much better. The players are so much better uh, informed and they do have a say. When I played, in all honesty, the majority of my career, I had no say. I, it was do as you're told, be happy that you have the opportunity. And if, uh, if you're too loud, we'll find somewhere else for you. So the players are much more powerful now. And the big reason is the NHLPA has given them the, the information and given them the, the voice to be able to say what they want to say. Rob, I, I mean, look, both you and I, we, we primarily cover hockey and talk about hockey. We like other sports. What do you think of the 60-game baseball season? <laughs> and as you yeah. referenced, some, like Ryan Zimmerman's had a great career. He's not going to play. Ian Desmond's a good player. He's not going to play. There's going to be, well, that's what makes it weird is there's going to be, uh, I mean, they talked about there's going to be an asterisk in the NHL whoever wins the Stanley Cup. Well, you know, there might and there might not. I mean, you're, right now you're getting the best NHL playoff ever because everybody's healthy. The first time ever you can go into a playoff where everyone in the league has healthy teams. But in baseball and or basketball, there's a number of players that are opting out. And as you said, there's great players opting out. And the one thing that we always see in, in, in baseball, over the course of 162 games or whatever they play, the, there's a separation about halfway through the season where the good teams start to separate. All right, we're, you know, these other teams hung on for a while, but now our depth is better, our pitching is better. Now we're starting to separate and teams start to fall by the, the wayside. In a shortened season, I mean, you just have to have, you know, be a flash in the pan, but you only have to be a flash in the pan for, for 60 games. Like, you can make the playoffs. Teams that, that it, they've certainly made the, 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 the Major League Baseball an opportunity for bad teams have that one-off where they just have to be good for a part of a season and they can be a playoff team. So I think there may be some surprises in Major League Baseball that you would normally see over a full season. Yeah, I mean, you have a really good three weeks. That could be enough to get you to the play. Like, if you if you can go at 11-2 and two in one stretch, I mean, <laughs> like, that well, changes, it changes everything. Well, and then a lot of teams, I mean, some teams get off to slow starts. And then over the course of the year, they get better and better and better. Well, slow start, slow start in a 60-game season 
all of a sudden you're on the outside looking in. So uh, to me, I'm just looking forward to it all because it's going to get silly here pretty soon because there's going to be so many sports going on at a time where you rarely see sports. So if you're a sports fan, get a get a TV and get out on a boat or get out on the, on the driveway with your buddies. You're going to be able to watch some cool sports here in the sunshine. Rob, we're going to keep in touch, and hopefully we uh, are going to see each other soon. You and I may, may may be allowed to be in the same room for the broadcast, which would be fun. Thanks for checking in tonight, man. Sounds good, Reed. You take care. That is Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst for our Oilers broadcasts here on 630. Chad, frequent Inside Sports contributor and a former NHL player himself. Always fun to get Rob's perspective. Okay, your perspective is welcome at 780-496-0063. We're back after the break. Will Almondo Sewell and the Edmonton Eskimos have a season? Something else to keep an eye on as we move through the month of July, looking more and more like the NHL season will be completed in Edmonton and Toronto with Edmonton hosting all the way through to the conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals. Pretty cool development there today. Terwilliger Rec Center would provide extra ice surfaces. You'd have Rogers Place, you'd have the downtown community arena, and you'd have the four sheets at Terwilliger. I don't think they'd need to use them uh, throughout the entire playoffs necessarily, as eventually you'd be paring down the number of teams, but that would be uh, another option for teams to use. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 780-496-0063. That was the Hermit requesting drop dead legs by Van Halen. So we got the intro into that. Uh, we have a relative newcomer to a new, uh, newcomer. You're a cucumber, Cody. We have a relative newcomer to 630 Chet, Cody Jansen back at the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound. And we were just talking during the commercial break. I was quite excited. You played in the Northeastern Alberta Junior B Hockey League. Now, after I covered it, but a lot of times when I bring up that league, uh, sometimes people don't know, necessarily know what it is. You played in the league, Cody. What a league it was! <laughs> was were you know you're a goaltender? Were you ever involved in a fight? Um, yeah, I think two actually. None with the other goalies though, but there it was a gong show at times. <laughs> All right, and and you have a, a championship ring from your time in Cold Lake. Yes, I do. Junior B champion. What a story! Uh, what year was that? Uh, Twenty fifteen. Now, do you get championship rings in the Northeast Alberta Junior B Hockey League, or what do you get as a memento? Oh, there used to be some serious money up there. Rings were going around like nothing. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we'll have to talk about your, your hockey career because you've, you've already had a very interesting journey f- uh, for a young man. So whenever uh, you're, you're operating the show, whenever Kellen's taking a night off to go lounge on his palatial estate, we'll have to get a story or two from you from, uh, from your career. I'm on your Elite Prospects page. Do you know what team jersey you're wearing on that page? I do not. It's blue, and it looks like it has a puck kind of surrounded in something. I'm not sure what it is. I think that'd be a Cold Lake ice jersey there. No, that is the ice jersey. Oh, good stuff. All right. Well, good for you. That's pretty cool. It's Cody Jansen back at the uh, 630 Chad Studio. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to break for the uh, 7 o'clock news and weather. We'll catch up with Richard Zokel, former PGA Tour golfer. Get some of his thoughts on that sport, which has uh, returned for the last couple of weeks. And Jed Roberts, always entertaining, the former Edmonton Eskimo, coming up between 7.30 and 8. 780-496-0063 if you'd like to reach out. Peter from Wainwright says, hey, Reed, 
I'll have to send you a picture of my television. We have a bigger TV for outside the trailer than inside the trailer at the Lake for Sports. I've been watching soccer already, and I love it. Nothing better than sports and the outdoors. Now, Peter, are you just camping by an old drive-in? I mean, is that the screen you're using? 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.